1: If you're a fan of classic detective fiction, Nioh Marsh, Dorothy L. Sayers, maybe some Miss Marple or Hercule Poirot, then She Done It could be right up your street. It's made by Caroline Crampton, who writes for the industry website newsletter Hot Pod, but is also seriously into fictional sleuths and some of the real-life mysteries that surround them. And as the title suggests, she's especially interested in the role women play in this world. This is an interesting story all about the disappearance of the famous writer Agatha Christie, who went missing for 10 days back in 1926, with her marriage foundering and having recently lost her mother. Her abandoned car was found on the edge of a lake with the headlights on and her luggage still inside. On the 3rd of December
2: 1926... Agatha Christie left her home in the southern English county of Berkshire just after 9.30 in the evening. She drove away in her Morris Cowley car, taking a small suitcase and a fur coat with her. Her secretary, Carlo Fisher, who also helped to look after Agatha's then seven-year-old daughter Rosalind, later related that the author had said nothing about where she was going. The following morning the car was found 15 miles away at Newlands Corner near Guildford in Surrey, on the edge of a lake called Silent Pool. The headlights were still on and her luggage was inside, but the driver was nowhere to be seen. The police quickly identified the vehicle and brought Fisher and Agatha's husband Archie to the scene to see if they could shed any light on what had happened. By the time they got there, the car was already surrounded by members of the public. Their curiosity piqued by the mystery of the mystery writer's disappearance. The word was out. The lady had vanished. At the end of 1926, Agatha Christie was already a well-known author although not yet the worldwide bestseller she became later in her career. Hercule Poirot had made his debut in her first novel, The Mysterious Affair at Stiles, in 1920, and she had also introduced the recurring sleuthing pair Tommy and Tuppence in 1922's The Secret Adversary. Four more books had followed, the most recent at the time of her disappearance being The Murder of Roger Ackroyd, published in June 1926. This last proved to be something of a breakthrough for her, with its unusual structure and twist earning good reviews and sales. It marked the start of a new, much more profitable publishing deal with William Collins & Sons, the firm that would remain her publisher for the rest of her life. It's also probably one of her most enduringly popular books, and in 2013 was voted the best crime novel ever by the members of the Crime Writers' Association. It might have been a good year for her professionally, but Agatha Christie's personal life in 1926 was a lot tougher. She wrote in her autobiography that it was a year of her life she hated recalling, because when one thing goes wrong, everything goes wrong. Her mother Clara, with whom she had an especially close relationship, had died earlier in the year. Relations with her husband Archie were already strained, thanks partly to his golf obsession. Agatha described herself as that well known figure the Gulf Widow. They had been apart for lengthy periods that year already, Agatha going to Corsica and Archie to Spain. And after her mother's death, Archie's disinterest in her grief drove them further apart. Archie stayed in London while Agatha took their daughter to Devon and spent the summer months back at her childhood home in Torquay, sorting out the house and its contents. She was lonely, ill, grieving, and clearly depressed. She wrote later about how during this time she kept bursting into tears all the time for no reason, or over seemingly trivial things like not being able to remember how to start her car. When Archie finally visited in August, it was not to take her to Italy for two weeks to recuperate as she'd been expecting. Instead, he told her that he was in love with someone else. Nancy Neal, a secretary ten years his junior. Neil had previously worked for Major Belcher, the director of the British Empire mission, who had arranged for the Christie's to go on a ten-month round-the-world trip in 1924. Archie and Nancy had been seeing a lot of each other in London while Agatha had been in Devon, and now he wanted a divorce as quickly as possible. In the weeks that followed... The Christie's attempted a brief reconciliation, mostly for their daughter's sake, but it was no good. They had been together for over a decade. Archie had swept Agatha off her feet in 1913, even though she was then engaged to someone else. They had married on Christmas Eve 1914, two days before he was sent into action. He served with the Royal Flying Corps during the First World War and won two medals. It was Archie's ruthlessness and decisiveness that Agatha had initially found attractive in him, But now those same qualities were instrumental in making her terrible year so much worse. During the breakdown of their marriage, Archie was relentless in pursuit of his own happiness with Nancy, Agatha recalled later. That his happiness came at the cost of hers didn't seem to register. On the 3rd of December, which was a Friday, Agatha was out during the day. Archie packed his bags during her absence. Their attempted reunion was a waste of time, he had decided. He'd been invited to a house party that weekend, and Nancy would be there. By the time Agatha got home, her husband had already left. In her autobiography, Agatha discreetly draws a veil over what happened next. So ended my first married life, she wrote, before skipping ahead to the next February, when she went to the Canary Islands with her daughter and her beloved secretary, Carlo. This is understandable. Agatha Christie had spent 11 days at the centre of a nationwide manhunt and media maelstrom. She probably didn't want to dwell on all the ugly details. Luckily for your curiosity, though, that's exactly what we're about to do. Something that's important to know as we try to understand what really happened on the night of the 3rd of December 1926 is that Agatha Christie really, really loved her car. She said once that nothing else had given her more pleasure, more joy of achievement than her dear, bottle-nosed Morris Cowley. She had bought it a few years previously with the £500 she'd received from a newspaper for the serial rights to her novel The Man in the Brown Suit. That was a lot of money. According to the National Archives' currency converter, it would be about £20,000 in today's money. Cars were still relatively rare in Britain at this time, None of her friends had one. Buying it herself with money that she had earned with her writing was one of the most exciting things she ever did, equalled only by being invited to have dinner with the Queen at Buckingham Palace 40 years later. When her husband and close friend saw this beloved car abandoned on the edge of a lake, therefore, they would have immediately jumped to the conclusion that something was very, very wrong. Inside, the police had found her coat, luggage, and expired driver's license. There was no sign of the woman herself so a missing persons report was issued. A hundred police officers combed the Surrey Downs for the vanished author, assisted by concerned members of the public who started arriving as soon as the story appeared in the newspapers. The initial theory was that Agatha had had a motor crash and wandered away from the car in a state of shock, but that idea quickly collapsed as no trace of her was found in the surrounding countryside. Several ponds, including the silent pool, were dragged, but nothing was found. An aeroplane was used to survey the area from above, which was the first time this had been done for a missing persons case in Britain, but to no avail. By the 7th of December, Scotland Yard had been called in and newspapers all over Britain were breathlessly reporting every development in the case of the vanished woman novelist. The stories mentioned her happy home life, Archie Christie obviously choosing not to contradict them, and speculated about a possible nervous breakdown over the loss of her mother and the hard work of producing so many novels in such a short time. As the days went by and nothing new emerged other than lots of false sightings, the coverage became wilder and wilder, even turning towards the supernatural for answers. The Daily Sketch called in a clairvoyant, who suggested that Christie's body would soon be found in a woodshed. The Daily Express asked the retired detective Walter Dew, the man who caught Crippen, who we met in episode two, for his thoughts. He gave his opinion that all women are subject to hysteria at times, but made no actually practical suggestions. Christie's fellow crime author Dorothy L. Sayers even wrote an article for the Daily News where she ran through all the possible solutions to the mystery, from suicide to a voluntary disappearance. The incident clearly stayed with Sayers, too because a similar abandoned car and missing woman scene appears in her novel Unnatural Death, which was published the following year. Perhaps the most bizarre intervention in the case was from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. He was in his late 60s now, and had formerly served in the ceremonial role of Deputy Lieutenant of Surrey, which gave him a certain measure of authority. The police gave him one of Agatha's gloves so that he could take part in the inquiries, and he took it to a spiritualist medium called Horace Leaf for information. Leaf wasn't able to divine a location, but he did say that he thought Agatha was still alive. Conan Doyle conveyed this news to Archie and announced to the press that it proved how useful psychometry was to the detective. The police, increasingly desperate for hard evidence amid the media furore and the spirits, appealed directly to the public for help. On the 12th of December, over 2,000 people turned out for what was dubbed The Great Sunday Hunt, wrapped up warmly against the cold. Sayers went along herself, but neither she nor anyone else found anything significant, and the search was called off when darkness fell. During the time that Christie had been missing, there had been several suggestions from more cynical observers that this was all just a stunt to sell more copies of the murder of Roger Ackroyd. The story just seemed too perfect to be true – famous mystery writer, wife of war hero and mother of beautiful little girl, disappears under mysterious circumstances, and even the greatest detectives of the day can't find her. The headlines from those days are like something that would spin up into view on the screen during a silent film. Search intensifies, mystery deepens, police baffled, still no clue. There were even convincing red herrings, just like in one of Christie's own novels, On the 10th of December, it was reported that her body had been found in a canal near Basingstoke, but the corpse was later positively identified as that of Mrs Alice Living's, a widow from Aldershot. There were also persistent rumours that she was hiding in London or Cornwall, for no clear reason at all. It's really no wonder people started to think it was all engineered for publicity. Christie was already believed to be brilliant at concocting unsolvable plots. Who else could be behind something like this but her?
1: After all that she turned up safe and sound staying under a fake name at a hotel in yorkshire some of episode four of she done it called the lady vanishes produced and presented by caroline crampton hey thanks for listening to the podcast hour from rnz if you're finding it helping you find new stuff to listen to then please do consider rating or reviewing us with as many stars as you can manage wherever you get your podcast from and tell your friends and family about us too and if you're writing a review then do let us know what you like about the show or how it could be improved so if you'd like to hear longer clips more interviews with the people making the shows that we feature uh and if four shows is about the right number to highlight each week that kind of stuff it would be really helpful to know thanks a lot
0: head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long